Would you stand with me this evening in honor of the reading of God's word to the Gospel of Luke in chapter 24. Gospel of Luke chapter 24 and we'll begin reading in verse 36. We'll read to verse 49. The word of the Lord says, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted, and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with the power from on high. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the power of your precious Holy Spirit as you reside within us. We thank you for the gift of your precious word. And Lord God, we bring ourselves before you to submit ourselves to the authority of your word, to ask that you would move amongst us. Oh Lord God, humble me before you and exalt your name. I am in great need of you tonight. I pray, Lord God, that you would gra grab a hold of our hearts May we be moved to mission tonight for the glory of your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The country of Nepal is settled between China and India. But more important than its geographical location, it is home to 31 million souls. 31 million souls that up until 1950 had no gospel witness. 31 million souls that went thousands of years without hearing the gospel of Christ. If you go to the far western region of Mahakali, there's a region of Nepal that has 1,153,000 souls. There is not a church of any kind that has ever been established there. We do not know of one soul that has ever called upon Christ. We do not know of one. There is another region called the Rapti Zone. It is 1,526,000 souls. 100% unreached for the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
There's the Lumbini zone. It's the birthplace of Buddha. It resides within that zone. There are 3,302,000 souls, 99% unreached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've had the privilege of planting one of the first churches in the Lumbini zone. When thinking of such odds, and we're looking at Brother Hetzer's presentation tonight, I come to the question, I say, how? How? And I'm so glad for the theme of the conference this week, it is mission possible. It's mission possible. Because sometimes, indeed, it does feel uh, like we are fighting back the ocean with a rake. And indeed, if we were fighting in human strength, we would be. And so our question is how, and I would like to address this evening how we are to prepare the ministers of Christ to be sent out to proclaim the gospel to a lost world. How Christ actually prepared his own disciples and how he empowered them. I'd like to preach to you tonight on this subject, prepared by God to go. Imagine we, with me, if you will, tonight, the disciples, they're gathered together and they're discussing the, the events of the day. Some have received word from the ladies that, it, that Christ has risen and others had heard the testimony of, of Simon. Uh, others had heard the testimony of those who were on the road to Emmaus who had, had actually walked with him and had broken bread with him. And now they're sitting and they're discussing all of these things. And in the midst of all of this, while they're discussing, and it could it possibly true, and maybe there's even ter terror and fear in their heart about what has transpired over the days previous to this, Christ appears before them in their midst. I would say this, the first thing that we would have for Christ's ministers, that they must be prepared. They must have a deep-rooted conviction of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ himself who stood bodily in the midst of them. It was Christ himself. This was not another Christ. This was the same Jesus who had died and is now resurrected. You see, when you think about this placed in contrast to the preceding text, you see, they had heard from the resurrection by the ladies' witnesses. They had heard, uh, and, and who had seen them earlier, they'd heard about Simon and what he had to say, and the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And then their testimony begins to change. It changed from secondhand, and it becomes firsthand knowledge. Not just what Simon had saw, but they knew it for, my, for themselves. And so what I would ask you the question to, tonight, are, do you, are you convinced, do you believe with all your heart that the Lord of heaven and earth died on a cruel cross of Calvary, that he was buried for three days, and that he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave? Are you convinced of that tonight? Amen. Amen. Are you wholly convinced of that tonight? You see, because it really happened. It is a factual event. The, here in, in Luke's gospel, we, we find in verse 37, he says, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed 
that he had been, they had seen a spirit. And, and so I asked myself, why, why would Luke include this right in his writing and his testimony about this? He, he tells of his witnesses' fear and their trepidations and the, and the things that they have going on in their heart. Why did he write about this? Well, because it really happened. People who write fiction and fairy tales don't put this type of content in their writings. Luke was interested in the historical record. It shows us who the real hero of this account is. And the real hero is God Almighty. Amen. These were weak men in need of a holy God. And this shows us that Christ is the true foundation of his church. He is the one who upheld the apostles and not the apostles, he him. You see, unless Christ gives the interpretation, there will be no knowledge, there will be no wisdom amongst men. So we ought to be careful about boasting about what we can do, about boasting about our intellect. Christ spoke with them. He touched them. He ate with them. He was showing them that his resurrection was a bodily resurrection. You see, this is the foundational truth of the gospel and Christ's ministers must, must, must know this. Jesus said, because I live, you shall live also. And through the resurrection, Jesus offers forgiveness of sin. He offers eternal life to all who will believe. Thomas, one of the first skeptics of the res resurrection, said this, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my fingers into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I'm so glad that God is patient with skeptics. Later, Jesus gave Thomas that opportunity. Thomas saw the living Christ. He touched his hands and his side and cried out, My Lord and my God. It is reported that Thomas was one of the very first skeptics even though he was a skeptic, he turned turn believer, true believer, and later he was one of the very first disciples of Christ to reach the continent, or to reach the country of India, to preach the message of the living Christ, where he was later martyred for his belief. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an undeniable historical event. Amen. Professor Thomas Arnold, author and his author of History of Rome and appointed to the Chair of Modern History at Oxford writes this, quote, I have been used for many years to study, I've been used to for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine and weigh the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer than the great sign which God hath given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Dr. Simon Greenleaf of Harvard University, the professor of law, said, according to the laws of legal evidence used in courts of law, there is more evidence for the historical fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than for just about any other event in history. You see, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that convinced me as a 13-year-old boy that he was God. He showed me clearly that Jesus was God and that he had the power to forgive my sin and to give me eternal life. Any pastor, any evangelist, any self-proclaimed possible soul winner who wavers on the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
has nothing to offer the world. Absolutely nothing. The resurrection is the source of the missionary strength. It is the source of our strength as we go out and proclaim a gospel to a lost world, whether it is here in our local community, whether it's to the far-reaching frontier, far frontiers of the gospel. We can go through many things on the mission field. Some of our missionaries, they could stand and tell you some of the things that they've gone through. But the resurrection will keep you going in the midst of it all. I remember one day it was Christmas. It was Christmas Day and, and we were celebrating Christmas and, and, and uh, there's some men that came up and they began to threaten us and they wanted to extort money from us because they thought they were saying that they had brought revolution to Nepal and that they, that they could be, the, that they, they were the ones that were deserving of recognition and, they, and, and that we were, it was our time to pay up and I knew what type of men that these were and they began to threaten and they began to uh, uh, describe what they were going to do to me as they, they would drag me through the streets and kill me before my children and my wife. I remember that day and I remember that my wife and the ladies were praying in the background and they were and my wife had told the ladies because they were worried they were worried about me and, and she said she quoted from Matthew chapter 10 she told them we don't fear the one who can destroy the body rather we fear that one who destroy the soul in hell my legs were shaking I've never been so afraid in my life Man drove up on a motorcycle and he got off on his motorcycle. About that time, my, my, my cook walks out of the, the back portion of the kitchen area. We were meeting outside that day and, and they locked eyes with the commander that got off of his bike, the Maoist commander, and he says, and the, the Maoist commander looked at him and he said, sir, I'm sorry, this will never happen again. It'll never happen again. And I looked at him and I looked at Ranjit after they all walked off and I said, is there something that I need to know here? I mean, have you gotten yourself into some trouble? Is, are you in the mafia now or what's going on? And he said, no, no preacher, I didn't have time to tell you. But I've been given a new job. I've been made the prime minister's head chef. I'm his personal chef in his house. He sent me the cupbearer for the Prime Minister of Nepal. And I say all this to say this is, is when I was sitting in that point in, in that, that place and, and they were describing to me what they were going to do, the one thing that truly was on my mind was that I served the God of the resurrection. Amen. I served the God that had my life in his hands. I served the God who had, who had already had victory over death. You see, missionary, soul winner, if you don't understand the resurrection, you'll always have that fear because you won't have truth on your side. Christ's ministers must know that they have peace with God. In verse 36, he stood in their midst and he said these words, peace be unto you. They had denied him. They had abandoned the long-awaited Messiah sent by God. They had denied the one who Moses and the prophets had talked about. And they must have been trembling because they denied the very one that had said that if they had denied him, that they would be cut off from Israel. 
They denied the one who is described in in Psalm chapter 2 as a king whom God had sent. The one who God said, be wise now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son lest he be angry and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. And they realized in their heart of hearts that they had denied him, that they had walked away from him, and they had forsaken him in in his most hour of greatest hour of need. And here here he is, standing in their midst. For a moment, these apostles must have been just shaking. And then Jesus says, peace. Man, what a relief. Man, what a relief. Do you have peace with God tonight? Because we are, we are deserving of hell. We are deserving of eternity in hell. But he offers peace to you. He offers peace to you. The very first thing he spoke was peace. And I, I think of Joseph's brothers as they had betrayed their They betrayed their brother and lived a life against him as he stands in their midst. And he makes right with them. He forgives them. These were no superheroes. They were just like you and me. One of the things that is, I believe, the impetus for their mission is the mercy that they received on that day. Think back to the day when you met Christ. Think back to the day when you believed on his resurrection. Think back to the day when you submitted to him as Lord. And remember the day that he spoke peace into your heart. Peace. You see, that is grace. And the unregenerate heart might look at that and say, you know, that makes more opportunity to sin. But the regenerated heart, the heart that knows Christ, the heart that has been made new by him, says such grace... For such grace I will serve him till the day that I die because he is worthy and because he is wonderful. Christ's ministers must also have an experiential relationship with him. Verses 39 through 40 we read in our text as he allowed them to touch him. And he sat there and he ate with them. He was human in front of them. And I, be, I know this is an applied principle. I'm not speaking of having visions of Christ, so do not misunderstand me. But what is truth? Truth is that which is logically consistent. It is experientially relevant. And it is historically accurate. We have a God that we can experience and know. He is not a God who is afar off. He is a God who avails himself to to us to know him. Remember Job, who is described as perfect and upright, one who feared God and eschewed evil. Remember at the end of his trial, after God brought him through all of those things and allowed him to go through all of those things. Remember what Job said in Job chapter 42 and verse 5. He says, "I I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so my question is to you 
tonight. Like Job, maybe you have understood him from afar. Maybe you've heard about him and you understand him. But as you're growing in your Christian life, there has to come to that point in that time in your life where you don't just see him as a friend, but you also see him as the holy, living God of heaven and earth. That he is your sovereign Lord and he's holy and he's beautiful in his holiness. If you begin to experience that on a regular basis, to meet with him and submit to him, do you know his holiness? Do you know him? Christ's ministers must have a thorough understanding of what the scripture says about Christ. Verses 44 and 45, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. In verse 34, we see there that they are his words. The gospel is his word. You can only have a high view of Christ if you have a high view of his gospel. No editing, no making it more palatable. Christ is not a commodity to be sold. Rather, he is a sovereign Lord to be submitted to. Proclaim Christ as the only expected Messiah and Savior. And that through a clear picture of who he is and is how we look at the Old Testament. You get a picture of Christ and you'll begin to understand the Old Testament a lot more. You get a picture of the Old Testament, you'll begin to understand him a lot more. Jesus was the fulfillment of all that was the Old Testament was pointing to. The appearance of Christ was predicted. His death, his burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was predicted. The mission of the local church and the su success of such mission was predicted in the Old Testament scriptures. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 11 says, from, from, For from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great amongst the Gentiles, and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great amongst the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. And, and that's not a hope. That, that, that's not just a possibly this might happen. No, that is a declaration. This will happen, and the question is, we have this great opportunity set before us. Will, be we, will we be a part? We have this wonderful promise. Everywhere we look through the Old Testament, we see the promise of Christ. The very first animal sacrifice. The ark that gave refuge to Noah. The, the ram that cut, was caught in the thicket when, when Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. The tabernacle and the temple and on and on we could go to the seed of Abraham and he is the one that is greater than Moses and the prophets. We see Christ everywhere. Christ's ministers must be men of prayer to the one who opens the understanding of Scripture. As Christ then opened in verse 45, then he opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. You see, missions is a theological endeavor. It is not a pragmatic, social, or psychological endeavor. Therefore, our missionaries must be men and women of prayer who know their theology because they walk with him in prayer. 
So as we get down before our knees in prayer, we ask, Lord, uh, would you show me what this has? Because I need a message from you. Would you show me what you would have, have for me to do? And we grip the horns of his altar because we want to know him more. And like Paul cried out in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Christ's ministers must have the correct message. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. There's no salvation without repentance. Our people in Nepal, they can't have Shiva and Jesus at the same time. They can't have Buddha and Jesus at the same time. There has to be a turning from sin. There has to be a hating of the world and what it represents in its system and a desire to submit unto the lordship of a holy God. Repentance, a clear message. Verse 47. Remission of sins should be preached in his name. And where is that message to be preached? Among all nations, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, they must have a heart for the nations. I come to America this furlough with quite possibly the greatest burden I've ever had in my heart for the souls of Nepal and for the souls of the unreached places of this world. In 2018 of October, my, my daughter and I we, we went on a, on a hike, and by hike I mean a journey. <laughs> we started out at 3,500 feet and we circumnavigated the Annapurna Sanctuary in Midwestern Nepal. We went from 3,500 feet and on the 11th day we summited the Thoranglā Pass at 17,700 feet and we descended onto the other side and it took us 16 days and 131 miles. In the first three days, I saw three churches. After that, I saw none. And by churches, I would say they had a cross on their door. At 15,000 feet, there's one evening, two nights before we summited. I went out into the village there that night because I, I wanted to see the stars under 15,000 feet under a cloudless sky. And well, boy, was it grand. But you know what else I saw that night that I didn't see in the daytime? Lights of villages. Everywhere. Everywhere that you look. Millions of souls in that region. I was reminded of Robert Moffat as he said, Many a morning have I stood on the porch of my house, and looking northward I have seen the smoke arise from villages that have never heard of Jesus Christ. I have seen at different times the smoke of a thousand villages, villages whose people are without Christ, without God, and without hope in this world. Oh, how we need a burden for the nations. 
Oh, how we need to look and see that the mission, world, the mission field is everywhere, that the world is our mission field, and it's not just the easy places to go. Oh, how I wish that there would be a new, generations here, a new generation here in America that would say, I've, I've had done with my, my American, American dream. Instead, I'd rather have the dream of God to, dry, to draw up a group of people of all tribes and tongues to him for the glory of his name. May we have that dream. Not a dream of building kingdoms. Not a dream uh, uh, of amassing a big account in our, our, our IRA. But may we have the dream of God. Amen. That all nations of this world would bow before him for he is holy. Amen. And he is worthy. You know the mandate of King Jesus is still valid today because the promise is still valid today. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. But he also said that he would be with us until the end. That's his promise. His promise is valid to the end, and so the mandate is still valid into all the world. And lastly, Christ's ministers must be empowered of God. Must be empowered of God. We cannot do this in our strength. Otherwise, it would be mission impossible. We must be empowered of God. In verse 49, And behold, I sinned the promise of my Father. My Father upon you. He sends the promise of the Father upon us. It says, But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. It's November 2013. It's been six years that has transpired and seen one of our village works come to that moment where he turned it over to a national pastor and it becomes indigenous and ready to stand on its own two feet. Man, I was excited. And my family was excited. And we get ready to go. And we wake up in the morning. It's a two-day two drive. And then after that, another eight-hour hike into the interior where the church is. And I wake up and Tahana's sick that morning. And oh man, she wanted to go so bad. But I, I looked at her and I was like, I know that if we go and she gets worse than what she is, there's not going to be any hospitals around for her to go to. And so I said, honey, you need to stay here. And she had a submissive spirit and she stayed. And we made our way, my family and a couple of men from our church there in Kathmandu, when we made our way to the Midwest on our second day of the trip, Nepal shuts down. There's rioting in the streets. The, the, the buses are being burnt with Molotov cocktails. Pressure cooker bombs are going off all over the place. And we, the only way that we were able to get to the village to safety was we had two military escorts at the front and the back of our Jeep. We got there, I finally got a message in, find a, found a tower so I can get a signal in and found out that Tahana had driven herself on, the, uh, on her scooter to the hospital, dodging pressure cooker bombs. I can tell you what, my love for my people there did not keep me there that day. Oh, I love them dearly, but it did not keep me there because I was angry with them. I was angry with them for their selfishness. How, how could they shut down transportation and not allow ambulances to fly? 
How could they do all of these things? And all of that welled up in my heart. I found out that Tahana was septic and possibly could die. I got on my knees before God. And I remembered his promise. I remembered his promise because as you see, it was about him. I'm there for him. I'm not there for them. Although I love them, I love my people. But I'm not there for them. I'm there for him. And I remembered his promise that he would be with me. And that's exactly what he said. The promise of the Father was on me that day. I was able to put her in his hands and experience his fatherly care like I'd never experienced before. Do you know him? Do you know his fatherly care? Have you been touched by his holiness? Have you experienced him in your life for sure? This is how we prepare our missionaries. It's a preparation that God gives us. And we through our local churches can help. And I'm so glad of the opportunities that he gives us. Christ is our motivation and missions. We must make much of him. Because the peoples of this world need Christ. You see, he won't do it through our cultural seminars and our social gospel. But he will do it through his power. Through his gospel. When you go out into the field, go because you know the gospel of Christ is true. Go because you know your theology. It will be Christ who will change them. May God call more ministers who will fall in love with the Christ of the Bible and his gospel. May the idea of him reaping the reward of his sacrifice amongst the peoples of this earth be the fire that burns in our bones. May we see some men who will say, I know where God is calling me and I don't have to see it to know it. I know that he is worthy of my obedience and if I don't go, I know that I'll be in disobedience. We need some young ladies and some young men who will say show me a tree in the place on this earth that you want me to serve and one day bury me there after I've given you my all for he's worthy let's pray